It's 2016 and Richo, being me, is back. And so I'm back on Wooshka and I'm here all year. Have a listen. Well, the election year has begun. The Prime Minister is back. All of the pollies are back. Canberra's back in action, but there's not much action. Isn't that the problem? You know, you listen to Scott Morrison, and I had a little contretemps with him during the break. I wrote a column in The Australian. I had a crack about how those Moifa numbers didn't look too good. And I, I had the temerity to suggest that within three or four weeks of him delivering them, they look ridiculous. And I'm talking in particular the predictions about when we're going to have a surplus in Australia. He predicted one in five or six years, provided everything went perfectly, a minuscule, tiny little surplus would occur. Well, of course, the first few weeks of this year saw further drops in the iron ore price, big drops, and naturally enough, that has a terrible effect on the bottom line for governments here, a huge detrimental effect. Markets collapsed all over the world on the basis of the Chinese economy not going well, and let's face it, that is a, much of the base of the Australian economy these days, is how well the Chinese do. And so when you looked at it, those predictions looked stupid. So I said so. Well, the old Scott didn't take that to that too kindly. I got the longest text in the history of the world, which must have taken him half an hour to compose. If I, if I was able to show it to you, if this was not merely something that we were talking about, I could scroll down and show you this massive, and I do mean massive, text message. And uh, I began my response simply by saying I didn't realise you were such a delicate flower. I mean, Scott Morrison doesn't like criticism, but let's face it, when you sign on for the job as Australia's Treasurer, that's what you're going to have. Now, when you look at the task that Scott Morrison has this year, and I think we can work on the assumption there's going to be a full-term government. I mean, he can, there's threats about double dissolution over the, the building and construction thing, but would you really bother... You know, I'll, I'll get to, a re to the big reasons why I don't think they should have an early election. I don't think they will. But let's just go back to, to Scott Morrison. I mean, what a task he's got. Because you remember how they got elected last time, the Liberals? It was all about Labor's spending. Shocking it was. Terrible. Horrible. All this spending. They were going to cut it back. The debt and deficit thing was a disaster, a dilemma for all, all, all of us and our future generations. But more importantly... It was something that had to be dealt with urgently. Whatever happened to the crisis? The crisis disappeared entirely. And now we can just gradually float back into a surplus. Some magical being will, will fix this all for us. Well, you and I all know it doesn't work like that. And it isn't going to work like that this time. And so, therefore, there's got to be some, some really hard thinking in the government, really tough, hard thinking, about how they're going to cut some expenditure. Because one thing is for certain, there does need to be some cuts. I think you know, the Labor Party just spend money. I mean, my old mates, uh, unfortunately, every time you see Bill, oh, Bill is spending some more money. Last week was another $37 billion on education or something, and it's fully funded um, by some very, very, very dodgy arrangements. Um, I mean, apparently the grab at super, it must be very elastic grab this, this grab at super because it's going to pay for so much. And then another grab... We're going to get Google's going to pay it all, apparently. Some of those overseas companies will pay it. Well, I wouldn't hang by the neck waiting for that to happen. That is for sure. Uh, and then it's all on the back of, of everybody who smokes or drinks, especially if you smoke, you're in big trouble. But I read a very interesting piece on, on that today. And 
it suggested to me that maybe that's, again, a very elastic figure because the number of smokers is declining every year, thank God. And, um, uh, you know, for the future of our health bill, by the way, that's essential. But the number is going down every year and presumably a massive increase, which the Labor Party is talking about, in, uh, in smoking uh, costs is going to reduce the number of smokers even further because obviously you actually have to starve yourself and your family if you smoke in the future. Well, what will that mean is, is I just don't think Labor's numbers add up on that either. But the government's numbers don't add up. Nobody can count. We need abacuses sent urgently into uh, every office in Canberra so they start to learn, abaca maybe you say, so that they start to learn exactly what they've got to do from now on. But when you listen to, to what's happening here, you hear Scott Morrison talk about how there'll actually be a decrease in the amount of tax collected. Now, think about that, a decrease. We're going to have this massive $32.5 billion increase in the GST, apparently, and somehow we're going to have less taxes that we're going to pay. Yeah, well, I wouldn't hang by the neck waiting for that one if I were you. Um, but I, I think it's, it's a little more than that. If you go back into the 80s in particular and, and the, uh, the, the, the early 2000s, and you look at the way Bob Hawke and Paul Keating on the one hand and John Howard and Peter Costello on the other actually managed to convince Australians that there needed to be big cuts in the programs they'd become accustomed to using. Now, they did it because they created a narrative and they followed that narrative through and they had the courage, they had the real guts, the balls to get out and, and sell cuts. And that ain't easy. It's very easy to sell spending money. It's very hard to tell people you're not going to give them something they got last week. Next week, it's off the table. They don't like that. But you remember, both those, those pairs, one on, on the Labor side, one on the Liberal side, uh, the Treasurer and the Prime Minister on, on both occasions took the job on and did it very, very successfully. Contrast that with 2014, the budget, the first budget brought down by Joe Hockey and Tony Abbott. They had prepared no one for the massive cuts. There had been no narrative. There was this sudden shock, this absolutely huge, massive tremor that went right through the land because they brought down a budget that cut everything without ever telling us that's what they were going to do. Now, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? It was a reasonable assumption that Malcolm Turnbull and, and Scott Morrison, being pretty bright fellows, are going to be able to overcome um, any, any reticence about the narrative. They'll have the courage and they'll move on. But I've seen no attempt at a narrative. If Scott Morrison's right and he is going to start to reduce our expenditure to somewhere below 25% of, of GDP, and at the moment it's a tick over 26, now that 1% that mightn't sound much, but it's a hell of a lot in terms of programs. If they're going to do that, if they're going to take tens of billions out of the budget, then the only way you can do it is to prepare people. You start to talk about what you have to do and why. There is no attempt at creating that kind of narrative. Nil, zilch, zero. None. And that really, really worries me. Because i tell you what I think it means. Despite what Scott's saying, and I've got a lot of time for Scott Morris, I think he's a, a terrific politician, and I think he's one of the few out there in the, in, in the Liberal Party, or indeed, sadly, I have to say, the Labor Party, who actually understand what's being talked about at the dinner table tonight. They actually do know what... Uh, people like Morrison, do actually know what Australians uh, are actually thinking about, what the Australian conversation is, if you like. Now, I, I don't think Scott Morrison is preparing us for those big cuts because I'm not sure the government's prepared to do it. 
Now, it's easy to talk about being courageous when you don't have to stand up in front of people and, uh, and get yelled and screamed at. But one thing's for sure. I, I think that the difficulty here is I've known Malcolm Turnbull a long time and it's one thing you can tell, I can tell you about him. He just loves that 60% rating. He'd be absolutely horrified that it dropped to 59. A terrible, terrible drop because it just takes you out of that, that land of the legendary. And so he's, he's, he's got to really worry about that. And I don't think that he sees himself as the bloke who's going to risk that popularity and go out and cut right across the board and, and actually live up to the talk of debt and deficit crisis that they all talked about at the last election. I know Scott Morrison knows it has to be done, but I'm not sure if there isn't this collective fear now on both sides of the parliament, both sides, this collective fear that says the electorate just won't cop losing anything and we don't intend to risk their ire by doing it. I just think that fear has taken over and there's no longer a belief that Australians will wear austerity. They won't wear mad austerity, but I'll tell you what, Australians aren't stupid. I always say the mob will work you out. And the reason I say that is collectively Australians are pretty sensible. And I reckon if you go to them and you show them why there needs to be cuts, why their children are going to be affected and their grandchildren, unless those cuts are made now, I reckon you've got a really good chance of selling it. You've got to pick the cuts and pick the way you do it much, much, much more sensibly than Abbott and Hockey did in 2014. That was a crazy budget. It, all the lower end had to suffer. Everybody at the top was left alone. The only way you'll ever get Australians to wear it is when you make sure those cuts go right across, that everybody, every Australian knows they're losing something. And there's some pretty obvious ways to do it. But you've got to have the courage. And, and as I said, the first step is to create the narrative. There has been no attempt at that narrative. And so Scott and I may, may have our, our differences about these things, but one thing's for sure, um, if you know there needs to, that it needs to be done, then one thing you've got to do in politics is have the courage to back up what you believe in. You see, one of the things that the criticisms of Bill Shorten that I keep hearing is that when he stands up and says things, people say he doesn't sound like he believes it. Well, I think what Australia's crying out for is a politician honest enough to tell them even the bad news but honest enough to go out and fight for the solution. And we just haven't had one of those. I can't think of one in a long, long time. The last unlikely hero was probably John Howard, who went out and sold us not only cuts along with Peter Costello, but also, of course, he, uh, he gave us the GST. And when you, when you get something like that, you know, there was enormous controversy over it, but he went out and sold a new tax to Australians and they bought it. And I must say, he did a pretty reasonable job on the compensation, something I wouldn't normally trust the Liberal Party on. He did a pretty good job of it. So we, we got a new tax. Now we have a government saying, well, that 10% is not enough. We want 15 I'm not necessarily against that. Now, the Labor Party rules it out entirely. You hear Bill Shorten, we'll never, ever, ever support an increase in it. See, the problem with all this is if you want to keep spending, and Labor's certainly doing that, on every front, every single front, then you have to raise money. One thing's for sure. When you, when you start to look at, at squeezing the lemon and when, you, and when you're going to try and, and, and get every drop out of the system, then you must make sure that there's still enough money in the till, enough money in the till to pay for the things that you really need to do. Now, income tax, you can't ever get another drop out of it. 
We've squeezed that lemon way too hard. No more income tax because we're already in, in rates that are too high. Something like a million people go into that 37 cents rate over the next three years unless it's dropped. And so obviously, obviously, the government needs to, to look at the tax rates, the income tax rates, and drop them. Every rate. I mean, I think the top rate needs to go down. It needs to go down because we've got to get a bit competitive and we, are, we aren't anymore on that. And that's without even mentioning, without even mentioning what we should be doing with company tax, which is huge as well. That's got to be dropped to make us competitive. So there are all those things. And, and if you're going to do that, something's got to replace it. The only way you're going to do it, in my view, is an increase in the GST. So unlike the Labor Party, I do support it. I'm going to be very hard, much harder than I've, than I've been when it comes to looking at, at the way you compensate people. Yes, it's easier to compensate in a sense, pensioners and, and, and the unemployed. But those part-time workers and people like that, the, the ones who are, who are cleaning places at 3 o'clock in the morning, you've got to wonder how you comp- compensate them. They miss out a bit, and I'm, I'm going to be onto that case. I'm going to try and make sure that whatever I do, I work and I work hard at making sure that, that they are looked after in the end. But I think you've got to do it. Um, I'm not sure that you do it the way the go- this government's doing it, what they've done is simply let the debate run all over the place. So expectations rise. We've got no sense. Here we are. We're, we're in February. There's a budget coming down in May. We've got no sense of what the government wants to do. They won't announce a plan. If you don't have a plan, how the hell do you have an early election? They talk about an early election. How can you have one when we don't know what they're going to do with tax? We haven't got a clue. And if, if they're going to announce a plan, they don't seem to be about to announce it tomorrow afternoon. This is going to take a while. So I don't see how you have an early election. I, I said, by the way, if I can digress, just, just to talk about the prospects of an early election. Look, I've railed against the, the likes of Lazarus and Lambie and, and Muir, etc., who got elected to the Senate and didn't have a clue. Now, they've all made an attempt to get across things, so, you know, but it's a bit late in life uh, if you've taken no interest in the, uh, beforehand. And so I, I think they've struggled. But if you think they're struggling... Just imagine how many of them are going to be if you have a double dissolution. And if you have an early election, any time this side of the 1st of July, you have a double dissolution. What happens in a double dissolution? The quota halves. It goes from 14% in round figures to 7 If you think you've got a few odd bods and sods there now, just imagine how many of them you'll have in a double dissolution. You get your vote whisperer out there. He'll be out, you know, combining all these little parties and, and they'll all add up. But they've only got to get to 7%. My God, it's easy. My God, that's easy. I just fear that if the Liberals take the opportunity to, to make sure they win a lower house election, and I've already said uh, last time on, on Wooshka that they, they're not going to get beaten in any lower house election any time this year. It doesn't matter when they have it, they'll still win. If you win and yet you give yourself an unworkable Senate, a completely unworkable Senate, you have achieved absolutely nothing. And so I want to finish off with one last thing, one last message. If you go back to the early months of 2014, if you're like me, you admit that Clive Palmer had you fooled. If you're a West Australian, you have to admit it. He got 13% of the primary vote in that Senate election over there. A phenomenal performance. 13%. He didn't need too many preferences to get to 14 and get up, did he? It was pretty easy. A phenomenal effort. And I think a lot of people believed in him. He was the man who was going to keep the bastards honest. I've just spent the last month in Townsville. You want to go and ask them about how honest Clive Palmer is. There's no, you don't need to be a genius. There's, there's no need to have a massive IQ to work out why he won't go near Townsville anymore. Because I can assure you, the lynch mobs are out there, ready, rope in hand. 
No, he won't do that. He went off marlin fishing rather than face the people to whom he won't even give entitlements. Just imagine how it would be if you spent 40 years working for a particular company and then suddenly they let you go and they give you nothing. None of the, the super, none of the holiday pay, none of the things that you thought you have. So my last thought is, why can't we legislate to make companies put aside on a weekly or monthly basis whatever their workers are entitled to? Why would it be so hard to make sure people live up to their legal obligations? With all these fancy lawyers and accountants, you have no doubt that Palm will have found a way to walk out of this owing nobody a dime, not a cent, not a red razoo. But if you're one of those workers who got laid off and have been given nothing, your life is shattered, your future uncertain, and your past has been made a joke. No, that is not good enough. Clive Palmer won't run in the seat of Fairfax this time because he'd be very lucky to get 1% of the vote and the humiliation would be far too great for him. But I just hope he has a lot of sleepless nights. But you know something? I fear he won't. This bloke couldn't give a... a I couldn't give a damn about anything that he's done to those people or about those people themselves. Now, I just hope, and I, I pray actually, but I don't do that, something I don't do too often, that as a nation, we don't just let this pass. We do something about it. Workers are entitled to something better than that. For all those out there who want to bag unions, at least the AWU's up there fighting for them. Thank God someone is. They don't have too many doing it. Why don't we hear from our pollies? Why aren't they standing up and saying, we are going to bring in legislation to make sure not one Australian worker has to face this prospect again? Don't hang by the neck waiting for that to happen.